You are in the ring with Hector Colon, seven-time national boxing champion turned nonprofit president and CEO. Hector knocks out the big issues facing social services today with high-impact leaders from around the U.S. In the Ring is a creation of Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan and is produced by No Studios. And now, here's Hector Colon. Hello, 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 and welcome to In the Ring with Hector Colon, the show that gets real about the challenges facing the social services sector and the people we serve. Here's the bottom line. Pay is not commensurate to the value our colleagues provide society. Programs and policies are not evolving quick enough in order to address the true and complex needs of the people we serve. And the financial viability of our sector is in jeopardy. It's not a fair fight. That's why this year we're going to take on these issues with people at the center of these challenges, true champions who are willing to get into the ring with me. Now, as my coach Shorty used to say, let's go, champ. In the ring with me today is my dear friend and board chair of LSS, Jose Olivieri, who is a partner at Michael Best uh, in Friedrich. Uh, just a little bit about Jose. Uh, he is a partner of Michael Best, uh, which is a global law firm. He leads the firm's higher education industry group. Uh, he is the founder of their immigration law practice. He has advised and litigated on a number of immigration-related matters throughout the entire country. He has appeared in the Midwest Best Lawyers list in 2021 and the Best Lawyers of America Lawyer of the Year in 2018. He also has been in the Milwaukee Business Journal's Power Broker three years in a row. And I just want to share a few words on that. Jose truly is a power broker. He knows how to bring people along, how to bring people into the conversation, how to dissect uh, what people are saying in those conversations and really uh, do something that turns out to be a great thing for all of those parties involved. His work is often done under tremendous pressure, and he does so with precision, with empathy, and with grace. And I just have to say that I have known uh, Jose he has known me since I was nine years old, and he has been a part of my life and my career, uh, always uh, as a mentor, uh, as an advisor, and just truly a, as a dear friend. So, Jose, I'm so glad that you're on the episode on, on the in the ring with me today. No, thank you very much, and thanks for that introduction. Thank you, thank you. Are you ready for round one? I am. Let's go. Thank you. Uh, Jose, you have extensive experience leading and advising on major private, public, uh, as well as nonprofit boards. So you bring great expertise, and we want to take advantage of that for our listeners here today. So let's start with the basics. What is the point of a board? Well, boards are required, for example, under Wisconsin law for any nonprofit organization um, to have a corporate structure to be able to, and, and, and that helps because the corporate structure gives some protections for those that want to participate in the activity. So you've got a corporate structure, you need to have a board in Wisconsin. You need to have at least three members uh, on a board. So to start out, it's a legal requirement that if you're going to have a corporation that's a nonprofit corporation, you're going to have to have a board. 
So why are boards uh, so important? Boards basically are the governance body. They're the body that will decide what the mission is, what the long-range strategy is. Um, generally, they select the executive director or whoever is going to manage the uh, operation who's going to lead the administration. Uh, so boards have that sort of overall responsibility for the uh, operation of the organization. Great. Thank you. Uh, what do you think makes a board uh, effective? What are those components that make an effect for an effective board? I think, uh, for one, uh, a combination of skills. In other words, uh, bringing together people who can contribute different things to the uh, board, um, can contribute from the finance perspective, from the legal perspective, from the community service perspective. Uh, so having a good mix of people is important. Having enough people to be able to do the task, but maybe not too many people, depending, again, on what the focus is of the, of the board. There are some fundraising boards, boards that have a, a very significant fundraising component, which might be larger than other boards. Um, but those are some of the, the basic things is basically making sure that the governance of the organization is, is we comply with what the laws are, we comply with what our mission is, we establish what the mission is, we um, lead in terms of setting up plans. Uh, so the board has those kinds of functions. How important is uh, that diversity of, of perspective and thought and, and industry uh, in order to have a really good board, in your opinion? I, I think it's, it's very important. Uh, you get input and you get insight that you wouldn't get otherwise um, when you, you have people that are looking at things from different perspectives and also bring expertise. Um, you might have, for example, compensation issues and you've got somebody on the board who in their regular job it deals with compensation and deals with compensation systems, knows what we should be thinking about, um, what we should be planning. Uh, so having different perspectives, uh, certainly different areas of expertise, but even different perspectives in terms of how you might approach a problem. Uh, you might have entrepreneurs that approach a problem very different than someone that uh, comes from a corporate structure. Um, and those insights, those different insights can help for a better outcome uh, as the board interacts, discusses things, and makes decisions. Absolutely. You mentioned fundraising uh, just earlier. How important is that for the board to really get involved uh, in fundraising? You know, you have some organizations that have a give-and-get requirement, other organizations that um, might not have that necessarily, but uh, we know that fundraising is becoming more and more important for organizations to have that financial viability. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the board's uh, role in fundraising. Well, I really think it depends on the organization, where the organization is in its maturity and its development. Um, there are some boards that the board is not really required to raise money. Um, that's a limited number of boards. Uh, I would say the majority of the boards that we're talking about, which are organizations that provide social services uh, to the community, are going to be seen generally as boards where it's required that there be some fundraising activity on the part of board members. And it might be giving yourself, um, but also trying to see if you can help identify sources of, uh, of revenue. Uh, again, every organization is different, 
But I would say most of the social service organizations that we're talking about are organizations where the board should be involved. And I would say that's increasingly the case. The boards are being looked at to be part of the solution when it comes to fundraising. Yep. So we often hear time, treasure, and talent. And uh, personally, Jose, I want to thank you uh, for all that you have done uh, for LSS uh, and me specifically. You spend a lot of time uh, with your uh, board responsibilities, but you give me a lot of time. Uh, you share your treasure both personally as well as through uh, Michael Best. Uh, so we're, we're very appreciative of the corporate sponsorship and really all those connections that you um, provide us with so that we can open, the, so you open doors for us. And all of that, I would say, is um, very good for board members to do. So you really provide a great example for others to follow. No, no, no thank you. And I, and I do think that the idea of when you join a board, one of the things that you bring is your network, uh, the people you know, the people you're connected to, the organizations you know, the organizations you're connected to. So I think that's an important part of what a board member brings. Yes, thank you so much. So that completes uh, round one. In round two, we're going to build on this understanding and what makes an effective board and talk about the key elements that are necessary to ensure healthy and focused collaboration between the board, its organization, and the greater community. This is especially important uh, for our listeners to know when they are seeking a board position, making a financial gift to an organization, or serving on a board that might be struggling or in need of some guidance. Are you ready for round two? I sure am. Jose, what are the components of a successful board meeting? A board meeting, uh, you know, I've thought a lot about that because I've been at many, many board meetings. Um, so one thing to start out with is a board meeting is when you get the board members together, it's very valuable time. So you need to take advantage of it. Now, part of it obviously is the administration or the management is going to share information. But too often, that's all that the meeting is. There's very little opportunity for board members to really give any input in terms of what um, the organization should be doing. So my, my view on good um, meetings is, one, you have very good materials prepared before the meeting that explain the issues, give the information that you want to convey to the board. You do that in writing so that the board members can prepare for the meeting. Um, once you've done that, then you think about how can you engage people in discussion? How can you engage? How can you get them to give you the input that you're seeking? Because at least on some issues, um, what you want is you want to hear what your board members, you, you brought these board members together that have diverse perspectives, have different expertise. How do you get advantage of that? How do you take advantage of it? Um, well, you need to find ways of trying to get them to communicate, to express themselves, give them that opportunity encourage it, basically, maybe even um, do all that you can to uh, get it out of people. Um, so that means maybe prompting with some questions before the board meeting uh, so that board members understand what it, what it is that at least administration thinks we should be thinking about um, as we uh, make our decisions. Yeah. So, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just want to 
Thank you for that. You know, I, one thing that uh, our board meetings at LSS, when I leave those board meetings, I feel so inspired because of that robust engagement that you're talking about, setting up those strategic questions and then hearing from the brilliance around the table. Like you said, these are individuals with uh, experience, uh, capacity, uh, passion, and, and they want to give back. Um, so that's, I think, the favorite part of the meeting for me is feeling inspired from all that I hear uh, around the table. And, you know, one of the things that we've done recently at LSS, and, and part of it may have come from the whole remote issue that, we, you know, mm -hmm. we were going through with the mm -hmm. pandemic, um, was that we set up small group discussions within the board meeting. Mm -hmm. Now, that's an unusual thing to do. Um, but I think it's been an effective thing. It's gotten more people to speak on the various issues that we want them to speak on and get their input. So I, I'd like that technique, and it's a technique that I'm going to try to see if I can continue to perpetuate in other places. That's great. And, and you know, one of the great things about that as well is that people get to know each other. And that's, I think, uh, an important part of the board and something that you have really focused on is how do we get to know one another and build relationships with one another, uh, understand one another, because collectively there's so much strength uh, in that. So I really appreciate that about you, Jose. Let's talk a little bit about strategy, uh, focus, and mission creep, you know, which are common themes that uh, are, are discussions that we usually have in a boardroom. But is there a distinction between a policy board, a governance board, or operational boards uh, can you share a little bit about the differences and sure. your experiences maybe with some of those different sure. type of boards? Yeah, I mean, there are some boards that are at, at a stage where it's very early in the organization's development. That may be one example of where board members need to do a lot more than attend meetings and deal with some of the general governance issues, but actually have to do some things. They ha might have to file documents with the government. They may have to actually do some of the work that's involved in uh, in the operation of the organization. Um, that's so there, there are organizations that are starting up. There are organizations that, well, are just very, very volunteer dominated. In other words, almost everything that happens through the organization is done by a volunteer and is done often by board members that are actually involved in the day-to-day uh, delivery of service. Um, and that may be a, an organization that's into, let's say, a, uh, a festival, and they will be involved, board members will be involved in selling it during the festival, running some of the machinery, um, just, again, operational type activity. Uh, and then there are organizations like LSS where the delivery of the services is occurring through employees and volunteers, but uh, to a great extent through employees, through people that work for the organization, uh, and those organizations tend to be organizations in which there's a leadership, there's a management, there's an administration, and there's a delegation of the operational activities to that leadership. And the board members don't actually engage in that kind of day-to-day uh, -day operations. They mostly deal with more strategic, long-term issues. Thank you for providing that distinction. Uh, you know, a lot of times you hear that, you know, boards shouldn't be in operations. We need to be very careful. They should be strategic, oversee the budget, uh, hire the CEO, uh, but not involved in operations. And what you are articulating is that it depends. Uh, if it's a volunteer organization, if it's 
the organization isn't as mature, there may be a need for the board to be a little bit more involved uh, in operations. So that that does make a lot of sense. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, that insight. You know, one, one thing you mentioned was the selection of the uh, executive. And for most mature boards, in my opinion, that's the most important thing that the board does is select who's going to be the lead administrator. Um, and connected to that is evaluating that, uh, that leader on an ongoing basis. And then finally, the succession of the leader. To me, those are three critical things that deal with the relationship between the executive director or the uh, head administrator and the board. Thank you. Are there any legal requirements that you would like to share with our audience? Well, aside from the size, um, there is a matter of having certain officers. In Wisconsin, we require that there be certain officers. Um, but the basic thing, when we talk about fiduciary duty, for example, is really to think about it in, in three different things. Uh, one is a duty of care, which is to, you know, consider things, take, um, be prudent about what you're doing, um, uh, be thoughtful about the decisions that are being made. Uh, there's a duty of loyalty, which deals with the idea that you shouldn't be in the organization just for self-promotion or for self-benefit or certainly um, financial benefit if it's a nonprofit organization, um, not individual benefit. Uh, it should be uh, for the um, purposes and mission of the organization. And then there's the duty of obedience. The duty of obedience deals with the idea that the organization has a responsibility to follow the bylaws, follow the law. Um, so essentially follow the rules that govern nonprofit organizations. Um, so those are sort of the basic legal duties that all board members have if they're on a board of a nonprofit organization. Duty of care, duty of loyalty and obedience, very important uh, duties that the board has. And and I clearly see all of our board members at LSS, uh, fortunate to have all of them. And I see how they really follow those duties uh, each and every day, uh, especially uh, including you, Jose. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. That concludes round two. In round three, Jose and I are going to knock out the topic of leadership and advocacy. We will talk about the nuances when it comes to boards executive leadership, and colleagues who publicly advocate for certain policy changes. Jose will also share some of his personal experiences on where organizations got it right and where it really paid off. It's going to be an enlightening segment that you won't want to miss. Okay, Jose, you ready for round three? Let's go. Let's talk about leadership and advocacy. Uh, what influence uh, can boards have on policymaking and funding initiatives that directly affect access and care for poor and disadvantaged people in our community? Well, to start out with, nonprofit organizations that are providing services to the community can advocate on behalf of the people that they serve. They can advocate on behalf of the issues that affect their ability to serve the people that they serve. Um, that's an important thing to have in mind. There are some limitations in terms of what you can technically do. 
but there are limitations that shouldn't, that should not make you think that you can't advocate because you can definitely advocate. What you can't do is you cannot be directly or indirectly involved in a political campaign. So that is one thing to be concerned about. That's, that's a limitation that you have in terms of your advocacy. Um, there are also some limitations or regulations that relate to lobbying for a specific matter that's before a legislative uh, or a governmental body. Um, but even there, it is possible to do so. It's just a matter of how much you do it, how much you're spending on lobbying. So there are a, n- a number of technical rules about it. But I, I hate to spend too much time talking about what you can't do because I do think that you can, in fact, advocate for things. Um, certainly as an organization, you can do it. And certainly the individuals that work at the organization can do it um, and can do it even outside the scope of their employment. In other words, you as an executive director have the right to take a stand on issues. Um, There might be some situations where you have to be careful about speaking for the organization. Uh, And certainly, for example, again, when it's an election type situation, you have to be careful because you can't directly or indirectly get involved in a, uh, in a campaign when you're acting on behalf of the organization, but you as an individual have a right to participate in the electoral process. That's interesting. So as an individual, the CEO can go out there and say, this is what I personally believe. Uh, but they have to be careful though, that they're not representing the organization. Are there ever, have you ever seen any conflicts with maybe that personal belief and how, it might affect the organization in any way? Uh, I've definitely seen uh, various situations where an executive director's personal belief may be different than the um, overall commitment and mission of the organization. And you have to be careful with that. Um, Obviously, at the end of the day, our loyalty is to the organization. It's not to ourselves. Um, And that goes to the duty of loyalty as board members we certainly have. Um, but I would say that as an executive director, you need to be sensitive to how your personal uh, beliefs affect or are connected to the mission, the vision of the organization. Uh, and you may have to, at some point, withhold expressing your personal belief because it may be damaging to the organization for you to speak your personal belief. Again, a great insight, and this really takes a, a strong, well-informed board, as well as the CEO, uh, to make sure that they navigate those waters uh, carefully. Um, you know, let me ask you a follow-up question on that. You know, how involved should a board be uh, in advocacy? I think it depends. I mean, I think there are some board members that are going to be particularly um, skilled in helping on the advocacy issue. Um, so you want to use them. Not everybody has the same skill set when it comes to uh, something like advocacy. Um, so my sense is that board members can be involved. Remember, we're t- when we talk, for example, about an organization, let's say like LSS, we've got a, a sophisticated administration and management that can convey those messages. So it should be seldom that we actually have to have a board member uh, convey those messages. Um even though on occasion it may be appropriate to do so. Mm -hmm. 
and sometimes it shows leadership uh, from the board and uh, to, to make those statements uh, and to show that advocacy. Uh, and sometimes legislatures or the governor uh, wants to hear that from directly from the board and not always uh, from the CEO. No, I, I agree. I think that there is a, there's a value to having volunteers be the, those that are expressing their opinions. Um, and I could see, for example, issues, um, for, for example, our refugee status issue, uh, where LSS is very committed to um, refugee resettlement um, and having board members uh, articulate a vision that's positive, pro um, the United States accepting refugees and resettling the refugees. I think that that's all um, uh, appropriate. Yep. How about the CEO? How involved should they be in advocacy? I think the CEO can be very involved in advocacy, and I think they should be involved in advocacy. Uh, again, making the distinctions that we've made between advocacy and political activity and lobbying. Um, but on the issue of advocacy, often the CEO is the most articulate person <laughs> that, that, that exists to actually get the message across of what the organization is trying to accomplish and how public policy might impact the ability of the organization to carry out its mission. Uh, so I definitely think that CEOs should be involved. Great. Uh, and I agree. Um, and it's really a collaboration between the CEO of the board and other numerous partners that the organization has, uh, in our case, throughout the state that help us uh, with that advocacy. And it, and it makes a difference when others when many are advocating on behalf of us, it, it truly makes a difference to our partners. What have you seen and experienced um, um, on a board that has had significant impact on their community? And what was their uh, recipe for success? Well, I mean, you know, one example um, that I, I like to point to on uh, an issue that was a divisive issue uh, for example, at the United Community Center, when we d were deciding whether we wanted to have a high school or not. And, you know, we went through a whole process. We had a divided board on the issue. We went through a process of studying the issue, presenting on the issue, discussing the issue, and we made a decision. We made a decision not to engage. Now, part of the uh, discussion was about mission creep, uh, the fact that we knew that we were very strong at the K-8, um, but we did, had no idea what, how we would do at a high school uh, level. Um, and so there, there was some discussion about that. Um, but we went through a process where people were informed, the decision was made, and everybody abided by the decision uh, going forward. And it, I think it turned out well. You can still debate whether it makes sense or not to, to have a high school. Um, but I think that the strategy that was chosen is one that's worked out well. Oh, that's great. And, and um, you know, UCC, I consider myself a product of UCC. I remember when some of those discussions were, were occurring. And at the time I felt, yeah, you know, it would be great if UCC had a high school so that they can continue uh, to follow these kids. But I know that there was a desire to make sure that kids are integrated in other settings uh, in the high school. And, and there's no doubt that UCC has been so successful at uh, getting these kids educated and giving them opportunities to attend Market University and Harvard and Yale and uh, so clearly you have done an outstanding job as board chair uh, while you were board chair, and, and UCC is definitely uh, producing many champions uh, in the community. Thank you. 
So, Jose, one thing I ask all of our our guests is uh, one last question. Uh, How are you knocking out uh, 2022 personally as well as professionally? Well, personally, it's uh, health-wise. I'm trying to stay healthy. Um, You know, I've had a few things come up in the last year, and I'm uh, working hard at making sure I stay healthy. Uh, So that's my knockout for uh, on a personal level. Uh, And on a professional level, um, to have a solid year as the chair of the LSS board is something that I'm, uh, you know, I'm working on. I'm working on hard. I want to make sure that I do that. Um, it means a lot of things. It means being involved in a lot of different things. Um, but that's my focus. Uh, one of the things I want to accomplish a knockout on. Oh, that's great. You know, Jose, uh, that concludes our final round today. Uh, what I want to say is thank you so much for your personal friendship uh, for the wisdom and insight you impart on me as well as uh, to the organization. For all you do in this community, it's it's really incredible. And I'm so thankful that uh, you are here today and in the ring with me. And I wish you much luck and success. And we got to get you on that treadmill and make sure you're, you're in shape and uh, going to be around for many, many years to come. Right. Thank you very much. All right. Now, that was a lot of great insight that Jose uh, provided us with that I just wanted to recap some of the main points that I heard him share with us uh, today. Uh, First, the legal and governance uh, requirements that are so important uh, when considering serving on a board. He talked about the legal requirements, the duty of care, where the board has to really try to make prudent decisions and the duty to, duty of loyalty, where the loyalty is to the organization, not to one individual, not to another organization, but to that organization. And the duty of obedience to follow the law, the bylaws and the articles of incorporation that exist within the, um, the respective organization that you're serving on. You also talked about the importance of government. Uh, setting the mission, uh, the strategy, uh, budgets, and oversights uh, regarding to all of that, but also selecting the CEO. That is a very important part of the board function. And Jose also talked about how it's important to have diversity of perspective, of thought, of background, of industry. And when you have, have all of that, And I'm so blessed to say at LSS we have that. You will experience a dynamic board, a dynamic experience that exists at the boardroom each and every time. I know personally I always leave those conversations very inspired. Then we talked about the importance of board meetings and and what that all involves. You know, Jose, as our board chair, always talks about how important it is for leadership to have materials that are well done, comprehensive, so that before the meeting, the board members can be read through those materials and be very prepared. We also talked about how we can provide strategic questions ahead of time so that the board is prepared uh, to really engage uh, in those board meetings. We want to hear from the board. Uh, We don't want to hear from the executive team. We want to hear from the board. That's why they're here. They're smart, they're, they're, they're passionate, 
uh, and they want us. They want to support us, so it's important for us to make sure that we're taking time uh, to hear from them. Jose also talked about the importance of developing relationships within the board. Uh, so, for example, at LSS, we have about 17 board members, and he talked about the idea of engaging in these breakout sessions where we're not only imparting our wisdom and our knowledge through those uh, sessions, but we're also developing relationships with one another. And the more we do that as a board, as a team, the stronger we are going to be collectively. So I like the points that he shared around that. We also talked about advocacy and how the board needs to be an advocate for the organization. When the board is the advocate uh, for the organization, it really speaks loud uh, sometimes other partners, maybe a legislature, a governor, or even a donor, they want to really hear from those volunteers, the board, uh, sometimes even more so, uh, or equally as as the CEO. So he talked about the importance of that, the importance of the CEO. The CEO is is the chief ambassador of the organization. So the CEO is always out there advocating, speaking with donors, with partners, with legislators, uh, to really try to make the case uh, for the organization. We talked a little bit about just politics and the political involvement and how uh, CEOs and, and nonprofit organizations need to be very careful. As an organization, we cannot uh, get involved in politics and support individual candidates. We, we are prohibited from that. But individual board members and the CEO uh, can be involved uh, or support certain candidates. But again, uh, we want to be very careful about that. So uh, in order not to negatively affect the organization in any way, because the organization is always number one in this case. So uh, thank you, uh, Jose, for all the great wisdom that you shared with us. I know all of our listeners uh, really appreciated this these great insights. So next month, I'm going to get in the ring with M3 Insurance CEO Mike Vickerson and partner and managing director Chris Kenyon. We are not going to talk about insurance. We're going to focus on the following, the national labor shortage and COVID's continuing efforts, barriers to food, childcare, and other basic needs, corporate impact and their influence on the greater society. They will offer new and creative solutions for businesses. M3 is also LSS's newest sponsor and in the ring with Hector Colón. You will learn more about this great organization next month and in future episodes. I have to personally say that M3 is much more than a vendor. They're a partner, they're a friend, and they're a supporter. And we're truly honored to be working with them and to receive their support. You can find more about In the Ring with Hector Colón and all of our episodes on our website at lsswis.org slash in the ring. Let us know what you think about the show and what you would like to hear in future episodes. Like, follow, and share at LSSWIS on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of these events uh, in the future. All right, that concludes our episode. Thank you, Jose, and to all of our listeners. Until next time, 
con mucho cariño, with much affection. Bye.